The Tangerine Egg, written by Stephanie Jessup, read by Amy Weaver. We could have gone to Hawaii, Leanne sighed. Her husband Chris snorted dismissively. <sighs> Hawaii won't always be there, but this will. He gestured around proudly at their surroundings. He insisted on calling it their future home. Brianne felt a slight nausea every time he used those words. Their future home was a very small underground bunker beneath the side yard of their house. It had not only devoured their entire savings, but also their second car and a good deal of their available credit line. It was the most depressing thing she'd ever laid eyes on. We're ready for anything now, Chris beamed. Mostly, Chris was obsessed with the idea of an economic collapse causing a total breakdown of society, although he allowed that there could just as easily be an EMP or a pandemic caused by the release of some sort of superbug. These were all favorite topics of conversation for him. It didn't matter that Brienne went quiet every time he began a gleeful description of how the world would end. She didn't like to start arguments. She always just hoped that not engaging, not feeding into it, would discourage him, or at least encourage him to keep those conversations between him and his friends. It wasn't that she didn't believe the world would end. She didn't disbelieve it either. She just found discussing the possibilities in detail distressing. It was like planning a funeral for a loved one who wasn't even sick. Sure, they might die tomorrow anyway, but why lie awake at night worrying about it? Except Chris didn't just worry, he acted. He built a damn bunker with all their money and spent a fortune more on survival supplies. When he first started talking about it, she had thought it would just be another abandoned project of his. And since he seemed to get so much enjoyment out of bunker shopping online, she let him have his new hobby. But it was no longer a hobby. It was real, and she was standing in it. I've thought of everything, see? Down here, he pointed to a series of storage boxes bolted to the floor, is all our food. There's enough for two years for the two of us. And underneath us, he bounced on the ball of his feet, is all our water storage and the filtration system. Brianne turned away, which wasn't easy in the cramped space, and headed for the exit hatch. Hey, wait! I'm just going back in the house. It's stuffy in here. You'll get used to it. Wait! There's something else I want to show you. You'll like it. I promise. He took her hand and led her toward the back, which was set up as a very small living-slash-dining-room area with two small chairs facing a tiny table that folded up into the wall. Chris pulled a metal box from beneath one of the chairs. He folded down the table and set the box on top. Open it. Brienne lifted the lid of the box, fearing the expense of whatever was inside. She expected a new gun, or possibly some new survival multi-tool. Instead, she found five candy-colored toys, each the size and shape of an egg, each with a small dark screen in its center. She stared at them, and then looked up at Chris, confused. There are roommates, he beamed. Our what? He sat down in one of the chairs, motioning her to do likewise. Listen, I'm not just planning to survive, I'm planning to live. If the shit hits the fan, we might be stuck down here for a long time. Now, 
One of the biggest dangers of being confined for a long time is cabin fever. If the shit hits the fan, we might be stuck down here for a long time. Now, one of the biggest dangers of being confined for a long time is cabin fever. We could go unhinged if we're cooped up for too long with no company. That's what these little guys are for. He picked up a lime green egg and the screen lit up. It showed a smiling cartoon face of a cat. The eyes looked back and forth between her and her husband. It talks. They all talk. They're intelligent. They're called Tama Tomo somethings. I don't know. It's Japanese. But they're going to give us people to talk to without giving us people to feed. They have these batteries that last damn near forever, too. And each one... How much did they cost? I got a good deal. Don't worry. They've got the latest AI soft... Brienne got up and pushed gently past him toward the exit. It wasn't that much, he called after her. She ignored him and climbed the ladder out. She went into the house and turned on the TV. She woke up confused. She must have fallen asleep on the couch again. Chris was running back and forth through the living room, stuffing things into a backpack. Get up, Brienne. This is serious. Move. It was still dark outside. She sat up and looked at the clock. It was barely 2 a.m. What's going on? Chris had finished stuffing the backpack with everything within reach. He pulled Brienne to her feet and handed it to her. Get to the bunker, quick. What's going on? He shook his head. I don't know for sure. Stuff on the news, but you can't trust them. The government is saying outbreak and we all need to evacuate. Like I trust them either. Let's go. Still groggy and confused, Brienne found herself being hurriedly led by her husband out into the night. He held the bunker hatch open for her and handed down three backpacks. I'm going to make sure Ryan and his wife know to bug out, too. I'll be right back. Don't open up for anyone. The hatch closed and Brienne was alone. 2 a.m. The world better really be ending, she thought, or she was going to kill him. The first thing she did was try the weird survival radio that Chris had installed in the wall. It wasn't like anything she was used to. She wished she had actually listened when he had explained how it worked. She punched buttons and twisted a dial until she heard static. Searching for a signal, she expected to hear ordinary weather or sports reports. This had to be one of Chris's stupid drills. He was probably at Ryan's house right now having a beer and discussing how to get her into the bunker more efficiently next time. Her hand froze on the dial. The radio went out as a sudden heavy thud shook the bunker. Brienne tensed and listened, but the thud didn't repeat. There was only silence, including the radio, which had gone dark and seemed to not be getting any power now. She jabbed at the buttons, but there was no response. The lights in the front section of the bunker had gone out, too, but not in the back. Chris had done all the wiring himself to save money. Somewhere in the walls was some connection that probably had just been shaken loose. Maybe Chris could... She should go after him. If this was real, he needed to be here where it was safe. And they needed to get Ryan and Heather here, too. Chris might be willing to let his friends brave the end of the world on their own, but she wasn't. It would be very cramped on here, but they would just have to make it work. She headed back up the ladder and climbed outside. 
It was warm and dark, and the only sound was the wind in the trees. The front door of the house was still open and the living room light was on. Their truck was still in the driveway. She checked inside the house for Chris, but there was no sign of him. She kept her cell phone in her purse on the kitchen counter. She fished it out, hoping to call him, but found there was no signal. Clutching the phone in her hand, she ran back outside. Ryan and Heather lived just two houses down. The house in between was a rental that hadn't been occupied in about two years. In this rural neighborhood, the houses were spaced widely apart. Still, it only took Brienne a few seconds to reach Ryan and Heather's driveway. Ryan and Heather's house was dark. There were no vehicles in the driveway or in the open garage. Chris? Ryan? The only response was the sound of the wind. She knocked on the front door, then banged on it with her palm. Nothing. No one answered when she yelled. No one was in the backyard or the garage. No one was anywhere. Brienne went back into the house in case Chris had gone back looking for her. Everything was just as she left it, and there was no sign of him. Strangely, the power seemed to be out in some rooms of the house, but not in others. The TV had no signal. The only radio outside of the bunker was the clock radio in the bedroom. There was no power in that room. She unplugged it and brought it into the living room. She sat on the couch, trying for several minutes to find anything being broadcast. A news report, an automated emergency alert, anything. There was nothing. She finally gave up and went back into the bunker. Chris would go there as soon as he could. It did feel a little safer in the bunker at least. She had hoped to find Chris there waiting for her, but there was no one. She pulled the hatch shut, climbed down, and sat on the edge of one of the cots. Chris would be back soon. He must have gone for something they needed. Or maybe he was still looking for Ryan. Then why isn't he back yet? Her voice echoed against the metal walls. Then a smaller voice echoed back. Why isn't who back? Brienne jumped. Who's there? Just me. She stood slightly crouched and tensed, looking around. It took a moment to realize where the voice was coming from. The box was still sitting open on the tiny table in the back. She approached it slowly, cautiously, as if it contained a live snake. Hello? Hello? The voice was a light, cheerful tenor. Everything okay? I hear some stress in your voice. Peeking into the box, she saw one of Chris's overpriced electric eggs was lit up. Its tangerine-colored plastic shell was patterned with lighter stripes. Its round little screen showed a smiling cartoon face looking up at her. Hi. Hi, she replied flatly and automatically. The screens on the other eggs were dark. Is everything okay? The egg repeated. Rianne just stared at it for a moment. She leaned sideways experimentally and cartoon eyes followed her face. Do you understand what I'm saying? Of course I do. <laughs> My name is Devin. Nice to meet you. Brienne wondered again at her husband's loose wallet when it came to his stupid survival toys. These things must have cost a fortune. She sat in one of the small chairs. He should have been back by now. Whatever was happening must have happened to him. There's no other reason he wouldn't be here. 
Her mind started conjuring up ugly possibilities, one after another, until she started to feel physically ill. Do you want to talk about it? Devin asked. Brienne shook her head. Oh, that bad, huh? Well, we could talk about something else. Brienne said nothing. Okay, I'm going to ask you something then, and this is very serious. Look at my face. I'm serious. Devin's cartoon face manifested large, angular eyebrows as he frowned. Okay, so, serious question. You had a choice between being able to travel forward in time by one hour, only forward and only ever by exactly one hour, or the ability to summon a llama at any time but up to not exceeding five llamas per day. Which do you choose? When she didn't respond, he continued, Personally, I would go with the llama because jumping ahead, you would only miss out on things. And everybody loves a llama. I think my husband might be dead, she said quietly. Devin's face changed to a neutral expression, then a sad one as Brienne told him the whole story. She was afraid for Chris, but found herself getting madder and madder at him the longer she talked. He was probably dead, and that was his own fault for running back outside when he should have stayed with her where he belonged. Then she wouldn't be sitting alone in a bunker pouring her heart out to an electronic egg. Are you sure it's safe to go up there? No, I'm terrified. But I've waited two days and he hasn't come back. I can't stand this. I need to know what's going on. Fair enough. You want me to come with you? What are you going to do if I'm attacked by a marauding gang of scavengers? Provide moral support. Devin grinned brightly. Besides, it's far more likely that we will run into zombies. You're not funny. Then why are you smiling? I'm not. She walked over to the table where Devin sat. The other inert eggs in their box had been returned to the compartment underneath the chair. But it does feel good doing something instead of just sitting here talking to you. Brienne, I know smiling when I see it. His eyes narrowed as he looked to one side. And I find it odd, considering the zombies outside. That really isn't funny. It's only a question of whether they're the magic kind or the virus kind. Cut that out! Fine, I'll take you with me. She picked up the egg and started to put it in her pocket, but then stuffed it into her backpack instead. Gently, please. Hush. She shrugged the backpack on and started to climb the ladder out. Just don't expect me to keep talking to you when we meet other people. I don't want to look crazy. It was a gray, humid day. The house looked perfectly normal. Inside, she found everything untouched. The clock radio was still on the couch. Her purse was still sitting on its side on the kitchen counter. Devin chirped at her from inside her backpack. Everything okay? Everything is the same. Is that good? I don't... It doesn't look like Chris has been here. I mean, I knew he couldn't have. He wouldn't have come here and not gone down into the... If they were evacuating people, he must have been one of them. I guess so. The rest of the house appeared untouched as well. There was no power or running water. After discovering that the truck wouldn't start, she took a cautious walk through the neighborhood. She found everything much the same. There was no sign of anyone. 
I don't like this. I can't see what's going on. There's nothing to see. That's what I don't like. But she stopped and took off her backpack to pull Devin out of it. His cartoon eyes squinted in the sunlight. Where are we? About a mile from our house. Very quiet, isn't it? Yeah. We should be hearing traffic from the highway. A cartoon ear appeared on Devin's screen. I only hear the wind. His face returned. Oh, Brienne, please don't cry. Brienne searched the surrounding houses for signs of life until her feet started to blister, but found nothing. Back home, she found it more convenient to continue staying in the bunker since it still had some electricity and water, whereas the house had neither. Okay, I have to ask. Devin was sitting on a pillow on the cot opposite hers. His screen displayed his standard cheerful expression. Have you ever milked a cow? She was sitting propped up against a pile of pillows from the house trying to read one of Chris's survival manuals. We don't have a cow. Well, not right now. We might find one, though. Or more than one. You don't plan on staying down here forever, do you? No. Well, we still don't know what's happened or where everyone went. I don't really have a plan. I always thought if something like this happened, Chris would be here to handle things. You've done very well so far, and we haven't seen any zombies. Yet. I told you to stop that. You're right, it was probably aliens, in which case they'll doubtless be back soon looking for slaves for their phosphorus mines. Unless they're just eating everyone. Although I'm sure if they are, they're much more humane about it than zombies would be. Unless... Devin. Let me finish, please. Unless they're alien zombies. She looked back at the book and turned a page. This None of this is funny. Of course not. I just don't want you getting all depressed living down here. I know. And thanks. I really do think you're doing very well. It helps that I have someone to talk to. Devin gave her a cartoon wink. Brienne was hanging wet clothes on a line in the front yard. Devin was sitting on his pillow, currently located on the hood of the truck in the driveway. This is beautiful weather. I thought the bunker would flood with all the rain we've been having. She pinned a pillowcase to the line and wiped her hands on her jeans. If it's finally stopped, I was considering working on the truck again. I'm sure it's a waste of time, but... No, it isn't. You'll have to keep trying. If we can't get this truck started, we'll try the neighbors again. Who is we? All you do is sit there. Devin's screen displayed a breaking cartoon heart, then returned to its standard face, which now had a tear in its eye. Brienne crossed her arms. You know what I meant. I know. In all seriousness, I'm sorry I can't really help you with anything. You do help, Devin. You've helped a lot, actually. I would have gone crazy the first night if I hadn't had... She broke off. There was a sound in the distance that she hadn't heard in weeks. A car on the road. And it was getting closer. Without thinking, she grabbed Devin and ran into the bunker. She climbed only partway down, hanging onto the ladder with one hand, and clutching Devin and holding the hatch open in a crack with the other. 
A camo-patterned pickup truck pulled into Brianne's driveway. She tensed, prepared to slam the hatch closed. The driver's door opened, and Chris got out. He was cleanly shaven and had a healthy-looking tan. He headed for the front door. Brienne? Brienne? Shaking, she climbed back out of the bunker. I'm here! She ran to him and threw her arms around his neck. I thought you were dead. Why didn't you come back? Chris hugged her rigidly. Well, I was going to, but then I went to talk to Ryan, and he said he was headed to his brother's ranch. It's the one I told you about before, inspired me to get the bunker. She let go of him and backed away. So you just went with him and left me? How could I bring you? You never let me teach you any survival skills. You would be dead weight. Seeing her face, he threw up his hands. Oh, what? Was I supposed to put everyone else's lives at risk? How many times did I try to get you prepared? I had to do what I had to do to survive. That's what it's all about. Besides, I made sure you had the egg toys for company. He gestured at the tangerine egg she was still holding. You planned to leave me if anything happened. It wasn't a question. You built the bunker for me. Chris shrugged. I tried over and over to teach you some useful skills. It's your own fault. I came back for you, didn't I? We've got things running pretty smoothly now, so you won't be too much of a drag on us. So stop with the attitude and get your stuff and let's go. Go where? The ranch. We got a pretty good setup. She suddenly couldn't look at him. She looked down at the egg in her hands. Simon gave her a sad smile. Do whatever will make you happy, Brienne. Chris laughed. <laughs> Leave that thing here. You won't need it, and I don't want people seeing my wife talking to toys. He went back to his truck and stood leaning against it, looking impatient already. She hesitated for a moment before answering. Just let me get a couple of things. Fine. She went into the house and set Devin down on the coffee table to change into her best tennis shoes. I'm glad your husband is alive. Yeah, I am too. She stood back up. Now let's go. Devin raised his eyebrows. You're bringing me to the ranch? I would never leave you behind. You mean too much to me. And we're not going to the ranch. Taking the egg with her, Brienne walked out the back door of her house and out and away. Stephanie Jessup is a frequent contributor to Brick Moon Fiction. She won Best Original Horror Screenplay in the 2013 Shriekfest Horror Film Festival Screenplay Competition. She's also been a finalist in several other screenplay competitions across the country. She has published stories in various horror anthologies, including A Chimerical World, Tales of the Unseelie Court, and Ugly Babies, Volume 2. She grew up in the sticky, swampy parts of Texas, but can also be found online at stephaniejessup.com. Amy Weaver is an actress, writer, and voiceover artist working and living in Los Angeles.